Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome and thank you for tuning in to the First Baptist Church in Coleraine. So thankful that you, wherever you are, listening and watching. As you know, we've been studying through the book of Revelation. And uh, you can uh, go back on YouTube. And also we have a podcast as well that you can listen to the messages to uh, catch you up to speed. We're halfway through the 13th chapter. And last week we learned about uh, the beast of the sea and who that was. And that was the Antichrist. And now we're going to learn about the beast that comes out of the earth. You need to know, if you've not been following along and you don't know a thing about the Revelation, the book of Revelation, there's a lot of symbolism in the book of Revelation. And somebody I know recently says, well, I'm not sure what John was smoking when he read the book of Revelation, you know. So, no, he wasn't smoking anything <laughs> as far as I know. And I don't think I, I wasn't there anyway. But uh, it, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to um, show what will happen in future events. It's all about future events, what will take place, what will surely take place in the future. So let's read. The, there's a Bible in the pew if you didn't bring one. And uh, that chapter 13 you'll find on page 1927. We're going to be reading from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. The beast out of the earth. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed and he performed great and miraculous signs even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. 
If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Amen. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. We thank you that you've stirred us up to come. You know there's quite a few number of people away for genuine reasons. We'd love to be here. And uh, we know, hope and pray you will bring them back safely and soundly. But we are thankful. We're in the best possible place that we could be on the Lord's day. The first day of the week, the day that you rose again from the dead, the day that the church was formed when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. Lord, we do need understanding, we do need wisdom, and help us to tune in, to forget about those things that may be on our mind, to not be distracted, and to listen and to be taught and given insight as to what these verses mean. In Jesus' name, amen. So the name of this message, I've entitled it, uh, Who is the False Prophet? Who is the False Prophet? Last Sunday, we learned more about the Antichrist, who otherwise known as the beast, that will come out of the sea. Today, we'll learn about another wicked person, also referred to as the beast, who will come out of the earth. In this chapter, we see three evil characters that make up an unholy trinity. You know the holy trinity is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? In this chapter, we're going to learn about an unholy, unholy trinity. Uh, The devil, the Antichrist, and also the false prophet. First beast, as we learned last week, is the Antichrist. The second beast is the false prophet. We're going to learn more about that today, Lord willing. There's more in Scripture, in the book of Revelation, that actually mentions him by name. In this chapter, it doesn't mention him by name, neither does it mention the Antichrist by name. Uh, But we know that these verses are referring to those two evil characters. False prophet is working for the devil in order to get people to worship the first beast. Who's the first beast? The Antichrist. During the tribulation period, which is, will take place in the future, the tribulation period will last for seven years. Satan's agenda, it's another word for the devil, Satan, that, the old dragon, the serpent, His agenda, along with these two evil characters, two evil associates, the first beast, the second beast, the Antichrist and the false prophet, is to get people, gullible people, unsaved gullible people, during the tribulation period, to follow and worship the beast, the Antichrist. But at the same time, victimizing the saints, people that come to know Jesus Christ during the seven-year tribulation period, to victimize them because they're not going to have the mark of the beast, which we'll get to in shortly. Those that do not have the mark of the beast will be victimized because they do not worship the
the Antichrist, who tells us later on in the book of Revelation, many will be killed, many will be martyred for their faith in Christ because they didn't have the mark, they refused to worship the beast. Again, in verse 1, it says, Then another, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. These are visions that uh, the Lord gave to John, and he just wrote down what he saw, what he was told to write down. He didn't come up with these thoughts and these images by himself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Coming up out of the earth, it says, or you could say the land, uh, we believe this to be the false prophet, probably coming from the Middle East, oftentimes in scripture, uh, Israel is referring to the land of Israel. Have you heard that before? The land of Israel. And uh, many Bible scholars believe that this false prophet will actually be a Jew, possibly from the Middle East, whereas the Antichrist is going to come out of one of those European states. Uh, the false prophet will probably come from the Middle East, most likely a Jew, because during the uh, halfway through the tribulation period, three and a half years, he's going to convince Israel initially, at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period, to make a covenant with the Antichrist to make a covenant with the Antichrist. So it's unlikely, being a Jew, you're not going to uh, be persuaded by a Gentile to make a covenant with the Gentile Antichrist. I don't know whether the false prophet will be a Jew or a Gentile, but I do know that both of them are going to deceive people, especially the people of Israel, and he's going to be hiding his true intentions once he makes Israel make that covenant, initial covenant with Israel. And the, the temple is going to get rebuilt and everything like that. He's going to uh, grease the pole, so to speak, by telling them, the Jews, okay, well, you know, if you make a covenant with me, I'm going to, I'm going to get the temple rebuilt. And we're going to, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. So initially, everything's hunky-dory. But then he breaks that covenant halfway through the seven-year tribulation period, and he turns on Israel. He turns on Israel. But initially, he's hiding his true intentions to lead millions of people astray. And that's what the devil does, and he continues to do that, leading people astray, leading people away from the, the, truth, the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus Christ. The false prophet is seen by the apostle John, he says, as a lamb. You read that in verse 11? A lamb with two horns. Of course, uh, I don't really know anything about farming, but I don't think lambs have horns, do they? This is symbolic of the false prophet. You know, he, he comes to Israel in sheep's clothing, right? And Jesus, he said in Matthew 7, 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. 
They are ravenous wolves. So he's going to be like, initially, a type of Christ. And Jesus is referred to, amongst other things, as the Lamb of God. All right? He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this false prophet, initially, is going to come like a lamb. But he's not. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, someone said he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a wolf in wolf's clothing. But he's going to deceive. Otherwise, people wouldn't follow the Antichrist. That was his whole purpose. It's going to happen. Jesus already said this as well, Matthew 24, 24. And uh, if you don't know much about the book of Revelation, read Matthew 24, chapter 24. And what Jesus talks about, the, the, the revelation and what's going to happen during that time period. This is one thing, one verse, 24, 24. For false Christs, see, and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. That's the whole point. If possible, even the elect. He's talking about those that are saved during the tribulation period. People are going to be deceived. The vast majority of people on the earth during the tribulation period that missed out on the rapture because they never received Jesus Christ are going to go through the tribulation period. And majority, vast majority, millions upon millions of people will worship the beast. Verse 13, and it spoke like a dragon. Now, this suggests that the false prophet will receive the power of persuasive speech. Uh, he, he gets it from the dragon, the devil, to convince and deceive millions of people by acting like a lovable lamb. Very persuasive, very charismatic. He has the gift of the gab, so to speak. Verse 12, the false prophet will be given power to promote a one-world dictatorship. The Antichrist will be the global dictator. His whole purpose will work towards a one-world government headed up by the Antichrist. It will also include a one-world religion. People are going to believe that the false prophet is the Messiah. This is why people, scholars believe, uh, rightly so, uh, that he could be a Jew. The, 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 uh, the Messiah is a Jew. And it's not the false prophet. The Messiah is Jesus Christ. Amen? So there's going to be a one-world government headed up by the Antichrist. There's also going to be a one-world religion headed up by the false prophet himself. His mission is to cause people to worship the beast, the Antichrist, and he will be successful because millions, like I said, millions upon millions, if not billions of people will be deceived and worship the Antichrist. They'll receive the mark of the beast. We'll get to it in a minute. 
the vast majority of people on earth, is, they're going to idolize the first beast who regards himself as God and seeks to be worshipped as God and he seeks to be adored like we should worship and adore God. He's a total uh, egomaniac. Or he will be. Not come yet. Verse 12 continues, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. That's the whole point. That's the, um, the desire of the false prophet, is to get everyone to worship the Antichrist. Causes the earth, all those to dwell it, to worship the first beast. Now this is backed up by Second Thessalonians in the New Testament. Those that take notes, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is what the Apostle Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let no one deceive you. So that's the point of the false prophet, to deceive people, to worship the beast. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. That's referring to the Antichrist. The son of perdition, or the son of hell, basically. Who opposes, talking about the Antichrist. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. All that is worshipped. So that he sits as God. In the temple of God, remember the temple is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem, showing himself that he is God. All right, that's his whole purpose to be worshipped, to be praised, to be adored, to be idolized as God. Verse 12 said, Whose deadly wound was healed. Apparently, the Antichrist is going to be attacked by a possible assassin and he's going to receive a mortal wound. It says by a sword in verse 12, if you look at it. I don't know what, what your version says. It says by a sword. Possibly it could be a knife, you know. that would be easier to try to murder somebody with a knife than a sword. I don't know. But he's going to receive a mortal wound that would normally kill most people, but not him didn't cause death and people that witness this probably on tv regardless they'll see this happen you know remember when president reagan was somebody tried to assassinate president reagan and a number of other people and uh, which we won't mention you know these assassins they're trying to get a name for themselves or they disagree politically or whatever the case may be an assassin tries to kill the Antichrist. Everyone sees it and think, oh, he's a goner, he's done for. You know, most people are going to die from this wound. No, he doesn't. Even though people expect, but he recovers. Whose deadly wound was healed. You know, this is going to cause tremendous uh, astonishment throughout the whole world gaining even more admirers. So I thought, God, this guy, you know, he's got to be, he's got to be God because, you know, most people would have died, but not him. 
And in verse 13, it says that he performs great signs. He even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man. So he's going to perform all these miracles. Where does he get all his power from? The devil, Satan. Remember in the Old Testament, you know, when Moses went to Pharaoh to let my people go? And uh, the magicians and the astrologers, they performed these miraculous things. Where did they get the power from? The devil. The devil. False prophet, like I said, is going to deceive people, performing miraculous miracles. As though he is the Messiah, because only the Messiah can perform miraculous miracles, right? No. False prophet can do those things as well. Where does he get his power from? The devil. Through satanic power. To convince people to worship the Antichrist as God. To deceive people. Now we're told in verses 14 and 15, the Antichrist is going to set up a statue of himself in the Jewish temple that's going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And people are told, commanded, to bow down and worship before this image. And uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 24, read it, and also Daniel. This is referred to, the, and we've studied this, so those that come regularly are aware. This is called the abomination, the des abomination of desolation. Basically, uh, you know, it's a blasphemous act. It's a, a sacrilegious act where the Antichrist sets up an image of himself in the Holy of Holies within the temple, which is absolutely anathema. But he does it. And Daniel, those that take notes, you can read Daniel 9. 27, 11, 31, 12, 11, and also Jesus talks about it in Matthew 24, 15. The abomination of desolation, the desecration of the Jewish temple during the tribulation period. Everything that the false prophet does is designed to increase power and authority of the Antichrist. And those that do not worship the Antichrist will be persecuted or put to death, or both. Now, in verse 16, 17, it talks about the mark of the beast. Have you ever heard about the mark of the beast? Let's read it again. He causes all, both small and great. He's not talking about midgets and giants here. All right? He's talking about people that may be famous, people that are ne not necessarily famous, people that have got tons of money, others that don't have any money at all. He causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on their foreheads. So you don't get both. You can either get the, the one on the right hand or you can get one on the forehead. Where would you prefer yours? You won't be there. Don't worry about it. Verse 17, And that no one may buy or sell unless one 
who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of the or the number or the number of its name the mark of the beast there will be something given to those those only that worship the antichrist that have aligned themselves with the antichrist and and those that have denied jesus christ and not received jesus christ as their savior during the tribulation period so many bible expositors they differ as to the meaning and what the mark of the beast actually is i go to pastor's meeting once a month and there's not one of us agree on everything at all we can only no point speculating all right we can only know what's revealed in scripture don't we that's the only thing you can believe really definitely now some believe the mark of the beast is some like an implanted chip Somebody recently said, do you think, you know, when I get the COVID shot, I'm going to receive the mark of the beast? No. Other speculation, some kind of ID card or, you know, microchip implanted in the skin or a barcode or a tattoo on the skin or simply a mark that identifies someone who's being faithful to the Antichrist. What we do know that the mark of the beast will be an end times identification required by the Antichrist in order to buy and sell. So unless you've got the mark of the beast, you can neither buy or sell. And it will be given to only those who worship him. You got a lot of emails today. You can turn that thing off if you want. It's not. It's not obeying. It's probably the mark of the beast. Then. Okay. Having a medical or financial microchip inserted into your right hand or forehead, it's possible. But at the same time, it's speculation. We don't know. We don't know. Could be any of those things. Might not be any of them. Don't know. Verse 18, final verse. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, those of you who have been coming here long enough, you know, the perfect number is seven, is seven. The number of a man is six. So God, let's say, who is perfect, holy, holy, holy. Whereas you've got man, 666, unholy, unholy, unholy. Number seven is the number of perfection. Number six is the number of a man. So there's many views. I don't know. Neither do you. Nobody does. Nobody really knows what the 666. We know it, it is the mark of the beast. But nowhere in the Bible does it actually explain 
what it means. But those people that are alive during the tribulation period, and I hope you don't have to go through that, if you're not saved, if you never received Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, and Jesus was to come back, and we meet him in the clouds, we're going to be taken out, you will go through the tribulation. You've missed the boat. You're going to be left behind. So it's vitally important that you need to be saved from your sins before that happens. Not just before the tribulation, but when you die, you're going to go and end up where the Antichrist and the false prophet and the devil will end up. And that's the lake of fire. You don't want to go there, believe me. Those that are alive during the tribulation, they don't know exactly what 666 means. They will know to accept that mark and they're going to be given a choice. Once they receive that mark, they've accepted the Antichrist as God and they deny Jesus Christ as their savior, thereby sealing their own fate. The number 666 is still three digits, right? It could be an implanted microchip where all those willingly accept the economic and worship system will be at the mercy of the Antichrist. Boy, if I don't get the chip, if I don't get the mark of the beast, then I'm not going to be able to buy food. I'm not going to be able to sell my RV or whatever. So I better get the chip. But they're condemning themselves to hell by denying Jesus Christ. But all those that trust in Jesus, they're going to refuse to accept the mark. Even if it means death to those and uh, pain. Some we read later on that they're going to be uh, beheaded. They're going to be martyred for their faith, just like the Apostle Paul was beheaded and many, many Christians die because they do not deny Jesus Christ. Remember the ISIS thing going on in the Middle East where they used to behead Christians because they refused to deny Jesus Christ? What a horrendous, wicked thing to do. And it's going to be like that during the tribulation period as well. People that refuse to accept the mark of the beast because they know if they do that, they're denying Jesus Christ and they're aligning himself with the Antichrist who sets himself up as God. So let me conclude these final two verses of our text today. They've got a special meaning for us today. It's all relevant. Remember what the Bible says. The church, the church, not this building, the church is made up of born-again believers. Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The church is made up of believers that have believed what Jesus did for them on the cross because they're sinners. He died in their place. He died in their place. He took the punishment that we deserve and on his body. We believe in our hearts that he died for us, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. 
and you call upon his name to save you, then you're, you're guaranteed a home in heaven and peace on earth. That's your choice. You need to make the right one. The Lord comes back, commonly known as the rapture or the first resurrection. Christians are going to be taken out. You can read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to confirm that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Then people that are left behind are all those that have never received Jesus as their personal saviour. They've missed the boat, so to speak. They haven't been taken out and they're going to, they're going to go through the seven-year tribulation period. But because God is merciful and gracious, he's not willing that any should perish, he's going to send, he's going to raise up Christian witnesses to preach the gospel to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So everyone on the face of the earth will have the opportunity to believe the gospel, that Jesus loves them, he died for them, and they'll get the opportunity to either believe that to either repent, turn from their sins to the Saviour, or they'll reject that. And the majority of people will reject it and worship the Antichrist and suffer the consequences thereof. God in his mercy, every tongue, every tribe, will have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Now all those that refuse uh, to accept the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, are doomed to destruction. That's what the son of perdition means, destruction, the son of destruction. They prefer to worship the Antichrist, rather Jesus Christ. Consequently, they will die in their sins. I just want to turn and shoot ahead. You don't have to go there yourselves, but you can read... I'll read it for you. In uh, Revelation chapter 19, 20. We haven't got there yet, but Lord willing, we'll get there eventually. But you never know. None of us are guaranteed another day. Amen? Okay. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet, that's the second beast, right? Who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them, who's that? Antichrist and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. This is going to take place when Jesus returns physically to set up his kingdom right at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. There's going to come a day when God is going to stop calling people to turn from their sins to the Saviour. Like I've said before, there's people in this world who've never had 
the opportunity to hear this message that you've heard today, to turn from your sins to the Savior. And I hope and pray that you'll make that choice because it's the right choice and it's going to determine where you're going to spend eternity. And, you know, no one in their right mind wants to end up in the lake of fire burning with sulfur where the dragon is going to end up the false prophet and the antichrist and all those that have never received Jesus as their personal savior. God is not willing for anyone to go there. This is why Jesus was willing to die in your place and mine. And those that deny that refuse to accept the gift that God sent. And if you deny Jesus Christ, like those during the tribulation period deny Jesus Christ, they're going to end up in the lake of fire. So those of you that are listening to this message, if you're not saved, come to Jesus before it's too late. Because sometimes opportunity only knocks once. You may not hear this message ever again. You may not hear it again. None of us are guaranteed another breath. None of us are guaranteed another day. Where will you go when you leave this world? You're either going to go to one place, that's heaven, or you're going to go to hell. But you don't have to go there. Amen? Hope you make the right choice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. There's so much symbolism in this book, we know. But I hope and pray things are a little clearer than they were before we read it. And we're thankful that uh, those of us that are saved, that have received you, not because we're good, not because we deserve to go to heaven, not because we've done good things in order to gain entrance into heaven. No, the only way we can go to heaven is by receiving you the only one good enough to die for our sins, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who willingly sacrificed himself so we wouldn't have to be punished for our sins. I hope and pray those of you that are listening will have got the message by now. All you need to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died for you, a sinner, because he loves you, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. If you believe that truly in your heart, then call upon Jesus to save you and ask him to forgive you. And he will. And then when you do that, you'll be guaranteed peace on earth, a peace that passes all understanding you cannot get anywhere else, and a definite home in heaven when you leave this world, which you surely will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886.
Hope to see you soon. God bless.